0: You know, a feeding trough for animals, since there was no guest room available. So, you know, we realize from that that Joseph and Mary, having to leave their home toward the end of Mary's pregnancy in order to obey Caesar Augustus' decree, are basically forced by their circumstances to give birth to their firstborn in a place used for an animal shelter, probably a cave of some sort. Now, you know, it seems to me that no matter who the person is we're talking about, to be forced to give birth or to be born in a cave surrounded by animals and then to be placed in the feeding trough is pretty raw treatment. And then when we consider who this child actually was and who his father truly is and was, we may wonder how do those things fit together? What on earth is going on here? Who was he, this baby? Well, the Gospel of John says this child was existent From all eternity, he never had a beginning. And he was existent with God before the beginning. And it even says he was God. He is God. And then it says everything that came into being came through this child. He is the source of all things. And then it says this baby born in a cave, this baby is life itself. In the light of all mankind, the answer to everyone's salvation need. And then it says he came into the world, but the world didn't recognize him for who he was. And he even came to his own countrymen, his own people, and they just rejected him. But then the Apostle John goes on to say, But any individual, any person who believed in him became a true child of God. And then John says this baby born in a cave came to live among his people and those who believed his testimony, they witnessed and experienced the glory of God in him. The one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. So that is what the Apostle John says about this baby who was born to a young couple who nobody knew who they were. They were just strangers coming into town like everybody else was who were forced away from their home by a decree from the emperor and who ended up taking shelter in a cave of sorts wrapping their baby in claws and laying him in a feeding trough for animals. So as we walk through this matter of this baby born in such strange circumstances unusual circumstances and then we look back like we just did to whom the bible says he really was and is there seems to be somewhat of a mismatch <clears throat> you know between what he had to go through and who he actually was but We don't want to let that bother us because it's going to get even stranger as we continue here. The Gospel of Luke gives us another element concerning this birth. And I'm going to be looking at Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. We're just going to read straight through it, basically. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, That's the long-awaited one, the anointed one. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Wow. Wow. No room for this baby to be born inside a home for people, so he is born in a cave. And the Apostle John says he is actually the one responsible for all of creation because he is eternal, he is deity, he is with God, and he is God. And now Luke says a huge multitude of heavenly beings appear in the night sky praising God, announcing the birth of the Savior. Well, that's pretty significant. That's, That's pretty extraordinary. But then they announce it to these lowly shepherds not kings, not governors, not magistrates, not rulers. And you have actual angels from heaven. And it says multitudes. And as you look into that, we're probably talking about tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of angels. They appear in the sky. It scares the shepherds. They announce the birth of the Messiah. Such an announcement. You know, we have all these, you know, gender reveal and announcements of births and everything like this. Nothing compares to this. Yet, they take it to these lowly shepherds. There seems to be kind of a mismatch here. Just like we saw with who the child was and how he was born. Yet then, look what the shepherds do with the announcement First of all, these lowly shepherds, they believe it. They don't doubt it at all. And then they just immediately obey. They pick up and they go and they search for the baby. They do what they're told because they have simple faith a faith that just says, God told us, we believe it. And after they witness the truth of the angelic announcement, they spread the news throughout the community. And it says, all who heard it were amazed. And even though there seems to be several mismatches taking place here, you know, as the ones we've already mentioned, they just don't seem to fit together. Even though there seems to be several mismatches taking place, God's perfect will is being accomplished. And isn't it amazing how God brings his will to be accomplished. And no one could have predicted just how the birth of the Messiah would take place. There are lots of things said about the Messiah in the Old Testament, and they said some pretty revealing things, but no one could predict or was ready for the birth of the Messiah to take place in this way even with all the scriptures that foretold of the Messiah. No one was able to put the pieces together the way that God carried it out. Yet he carried it out in the way that had to be, in the way that fulfilled his plan. I think this says something about what we are witnessing today. You know, today, more than... Anytime I've heard, I've been a Christian through 40 years, we keep hearing of people turning away from the Christian faith. And the reason they're doing it, for many of them, it's because they can't make the apparent mismatches come together. They see things in the world, they they can't reconcile with who they think God is or what God should do and how he should do it, And so they say, well, there must not be a God. Because it doesn't fit their, you know, the way that they have figured it out. And for some, they think the existence of certain kinds of evil proves there is no all-good, all-powerful God. It's a mismatch. They can't put it together. And for others, it's something maybe more personal, maybe some tragedy in their life or in their family, that seems so unfair. How could a loving God allow that to happen to me? Now, you know, some of those complaints against God can be fairly easily answered from the Bible. As others of them are not so easily answered. But what we can see from the Bible is that God does bring lots and lots of mismatches together all through history in ways that we would never have predicted. We see uh, prophecies coming to bear and coming together in ways that we would have never imagined. But those who clung to their faith, they're the ones who succeeded The birth of his only begotten son, born of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit. You know, if you think, who could be the savior of mankind? Well, it would have to be a human to stand in mankind's stead. But there's no human that's perfect. So how can we have a perfect human to be the sacrifice for our sins? Well, it's the Son of God, isn't it? Who could have put that together? Who could predict that? Who could have worked that one out before God told us in the scriptures, in the New Testament, how it actually happened? Even though we had prophecies that pointed toward that, you couldn't put it together until you saw that it was this virgin who conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, And had the son of God himself as her baby. So what that tells me is that, you know, people will look at the scriptures. They can't figure it out for themselves. And they say, they just just toss it aside. Tells me we need to humble ourselves and realize that God has all the answers to fulfill his promises no matter how impossible some of them seem to be. And then we will see, like we just did in the birth of of Jesus, that God is going to bring all the mismatches together, the seeming mismatches, the things that we can't put together, God can. And I want to show you also something that can help us at this time. It's in Romans chapter 5. It's just a couple of verses. And it's talking about our hope in God because we're talking about looking at the mismatches and what are we going to do? Are we going to still trust God through them? But here's what Apostle Paul says in Romans 5, 2. And he's talking about suffering. He says, And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. We have that hope that we will see the glory of God and and the glory of God will help, will save us. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance is being able to hang in there during the tough times. And perseverance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Our hope in Christ will never be shamed. I mean, it will be by people, excuse me, but in the end, it won't be shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So, our hope, even through the mismatches that we see in our society or even that we see in the scriptures that we can't answer, our hope is never shamed if we trust in God. What this all boils down to is that even though what we see may not always look like it's going to work, you know, like Joseph and Mary having to make a three, two- to three-day trip at the very late stage of Mary's pregnancy, finding there is no decent place for them to lodge, ending up in an animal shelter. And then the Savior of the world being born in total obscurity in this cave under such undesirable circumstances. But yet then having this <clears throat> these heavenly angels announce His birth to the shepherds. And they respond to the announcement in the perfect way that God planned. Leading this whole community to rejoice in the faithfulness of God. Excuse me. Suffering leads to hope, and our hope in God does not lead to shame because God has given us His Spirit to give us the right attitude and faith, even in undesirable circumstances. If we submit to the Spirit who indwells us, if we've come to Christ, God will increase our hope and our faith and our trust. We just need to submit to the Spirit of God and be trusting in the promises of God. And we realize that God can bring together any mismatch. In fact, that's His specialty, bringing things together that seem like it can't come together. And our hope in Him does not put us to shame. Shame only comes when we don't trust Him. Now, we've... Chosen the theme song for this Christmas series. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And it kind of talks about this mismatch in another way. And this is a song we will sing throughout our Christmas series. And I think it's a great song. And we'll ask the worship team.
1: See the Virgin is delivered in a cold and crowded stall Mirrored of the Father's glory lies beside her in the straw He is mercy's incarnation marvel at this miracle for the virgin gently holds the glorious impossible love has come to walk on water turn the water into wine touch the leper bless the children love both human and divine praise the wisdom of the father who has spoken through his son speaking still he calls us to the glorious impossible hallelujah Possible He was bruised for our transgressions, and he bears eternal scars.